Hello and welcome to Intrepid Times, your home for narrative travel writing with heart. I'm Nathan Thomas, and alongside my co-host Jennifer Roberts, we take you behind the scenes of some of our most popular travel stories, get you to meet travel writers, and help you discover how you can share your own travel stories with the world. Hello and welcome back to Intrepid Times. I'm very excited to be speaking with British travel writer and travel journalist Tom Brown. Now, Tom has just gotten back from an extensive research trip to Mongolia where he painted a very vivid picture in an Intrepid Times story. We'll share the link alongside this audio of how the nomadic people of Mongolia are adapting to a rapidly changing world and indeed a rapidly changing country. And Tom has a lot of thoughts about travel writing and travel journalism, and it's a topic that he's really immersed himself in. So I want to kind of tell two stories through Tom on this podcast episode. One is the story of Mongolia itself through Tom's eyes as a visitor and reporter. And the other is the story of a travel writer and travel journalist at work in the world today in the most modern way possible, researching, planning, immersing himself in and indeed authoring uh, a story that really matters. So, Tom, before we jump in, would you mind giving just a bit of a background about who you are and kind of take us up to the point where you started conceptualizing and planning this Mongolia trip? Yeah, so hi, Nathan. Thank you for having me. It's a really nice introduction there. Yeah, and I agree it's going to be interesting topics to discuss. So, I mean, I am a writer, broadly speaking. Um, I've been a freelance writer for most of my career. Started doing that from a young age, just anyone who would pay me, I would write for them. But it was good, I, I was quite good at it. I was able to travel a lot because it's all online, it's all remote. And then, yeah, just from traveling, I kind of went more and more into travel writing, which I just love. And that's kind of how I see myself now. I, I work now for a company called Projects Abroad. It's an amazing company. They do um, volunteer and internships all around the world. And I sort of write their content. I do their blog, their website, newsletters, and yeah, a few marketing tasks. But um, I'm broadly speaking a travel writer. And on the side, I've been doing a master's degree in journalism. So I kind of see myself, myself on the peripheries of journalism. Um, I've done a lot of journalistic work and investigations. And yeah, this was this one to Mongolia was, I would say, to date, by far my biggest, most extensive piece. And that was originally for my dissertation for my master's degree. But yeah, now I'm very happy that it's going to be on Intrepid Times. And the sort of origin of this story, I guess, was I was given a dissertation. It's called a final major project. And I was basically told you can do anything, which is liberating, but daunting. You can do absolutely anything. You can create a a news outlet if you want you can do a podcast you can do a documentary but, you know I thought I'd stick to what I'm good at which is writing and I thought I'm just going to write an article keep it simple but I was sort of overwhelmed because they said it would have to be 12,000 words and I thought how how the hell am I going to write 12,000 words so I went out and I just started searching for stories um, on social media and I started I was originally I was going to do like a magazine like 10 stories all with like a common thread and it was all going to be like a travel magazine and yeah and I got loads and loads of good stories I got uh, a few crap stories as well but I was trying to just find what is the best idea I was eventually told that I'm not allowed to do 12 separate stories it has to be one story but that for every photograph I take the word count would be reduced so I was like okay I need to do a photo essay 
I'll write more like 6,000 words and I'll just find a good story. And eventually I found someone who was actually told me they were doing a trip across the Himalayas in a tuk-tuk, uh, which I found very exciting. And I thought, okay, I'm going to pursue this a little bit more, talk to this guy a bit. And it turned out like he'd already done the story and it, it wasn't really new. It wasn't really suitable. But I asked, what else is he doing? He said, well, I'm going to Mongolia. And then something just clicked in my brain where I just thought Mongolia, that's that's a place I've long had an interest in, but never been, never been anywhere like that. So, yeah, I just started researching and I started thinking, what what can I do here? How can I get there? And, you know, how can I make this just a, an amazing story about Mongolia? So that's an interesting kind of process that you went through. And whilst for you, it was within the context of this degree that you were doing and, and you brought to the table, you know, as already a published writer and journalist some experience but I know there are a lot of folks out there who have this urge to write this urge to tell an important story to bring their perspective on the important things that are happening out there in the world and they probably have experienced that same moment that you have of staring at a computer screen like what am I going to write about and I like that you know you kind of talk through the ideas that you explored and that were eventually abandoned and then an idea caught your eye this Himalaya trip and it ended up leading you kind of I guess unexpectedly to Mongolia and then when you started thinking about Mongolia I believe you traveled you can correct me if this is wrong but you traveled there kind of with an idea of the story you might want to write in your mind. But when you actually got there, spoke to the people, did your thing on the ground, the actual story you wrote ended up being a little bit different. Yeah, exactly. So um, I I mean, I had to pitch a story before I went, which is a, a an interesting idea in itself. You know, how can you pitch a story before you've you've actually found the story? You know, it's um it's kind of an odd concept. But in my research, I I found quite a lot about these things called Gur districts, which just sort of fascinated me. So for anyone who doesn't know much about Mongolia, it's a very uh, nomadic population. A lot of people travel around and they live in these things called Gurs. Uh, people will call them yurts. And they're quite well known now as sort of in glamping. People use them. They're these sort of circular tents. And people over there, they live their whole lives in these in these Gurs. And but, you know, due to pressures on the sort of nomadic farmers who live out there, they've had to relocate to the city. But there's only really one city in Mongolia called Ulaanbaatar and it just not got enough housing for everyone. So people just come with their girls and they set up these kind of districts on the outskirts of the city. And I just found it is sort of fascinating um, just concept of sort of this sort of in-between place. It's not quite in the city. It's not quite in the countryside, but they live as though they still live in the countryside as if they are nomadic, um, but they're not. And there's been quite a few articles on this, um, mostly in The Guardian, who talk, talk a lot about Gur districts, about the sort of, and just talk about them as if they're shanty towns, that there's all this crime, lack of infrastructure, lack of opportunity. And being a journalist, I thought this was the story to follow. I could have, you know, written a story about the nomads themselves, but I thought I wanted to take more of a social angle. So, yeah, that's kind of what I pitched. I thought, you know, there hasn't been a story on these Gur districts for a while. I'm going to go there and I'm going to live in the Gur district, which I did. I found a Gur in the Gur district and I thought I'm, I'm just going to live there and I'm going to see for myself, which I think is very important. Like I could have, you know, I didn't even have to travel to Mongolia. I could have stayed home and done this. But I thought I'm going to go and I'm going to find out what is life really like there. And yeah, and I got there and it wasn't quite what I expected. It was very peaceful very safe obviously i've not been to every part of the girl district but i did i traveled around i walked around i tried to see as much of it as i could i talked to local people you know what's life like there 
and yeah there's there are social issues there is poverty as there is everywhere but i just didn't this didn't feel like the story which is you know a bit worrying when you've i, I only had a week in mongolia and i had to come home with a, a good enough story and i wasn't you know wasn't feeling that this was a good enough story so you're in that moment you've conceptualized a story uh you've traveled to mongolia did you have like a, a contact there before you arrive i'm always fascinated by travel writers in particular and travel journalists um tim hannigan explores this a little bit in his book the travel writing tribe that often authors kind of contrive uh to keep the other folks who might be assisting them off the scene when they're narrating that story but you you very clear about the the number of people that you encountered uh, there and the conversations you have before you set out, like before you caught that plane um, from the UK to Ulaanbaatar. Did you do any preliminary contact? Did you find, say, a, a fixer or a tour guide or someone who could show you around the skirt district, or did you just kind of show up at the airport, hail a cab, and start wandering around? Yeah. So I mean, normally I would take the latter approach. Um, I'm not much of a planner I tend to go to a place and find things out for this like I say it was a short time I had to get a story um like there was no two ways about it so I had to get contacts beforehand I actually had every day planned out pretty much although it did change when I got there but I had a pretty rough outline of what I was going to do who I was going to meet so yeah at first I had to find a host um, which I found online someone was uh, renting out their girl so it was kind of a interesting situation you had two girls it sort of enclosed in a fence um, in the girl district and one was for me and then the other was for my hosts he's um, a woman and her elderly mother were, were my hosts so that was one contact so that was great and then I also had through my work through projects abroad we we have projects in Mongolia so we had one member of staff basically who works out there who I was able to contact and I knew I'd be able to meet up with her and luckily there was a volunteer at the time because there isn't always but there was a volunteer who was going to be there at the same time I was there so that was just good timing and what that meant was I knew I'd be able to travel with the volunteer and he was volunteering with a nomad family so I was like okay I'm definitely going to be able to visit the nomads and then yeah I sort of used Facebook different groups messaging different people and um just to see who's in mongolia who who wants to talk to me about this story and yeah i got a couple of different women it tended to be women which is something interesting i found out about mongolia is this is a, a generalization but i was basically told that men tend to remain sort of in the nomadic world and they tend to be herders and the women are more likely to go off to the city and to get educated and so I think that's why I just found it easier to find women because they, they tended to be more educated. They tended to live in the city. Yeah, and they were very happy to tell their story. So yeah, it, I mean, every day I had a local person or usually more than one local person who I was going to travel with and learn from. And it wasn't, I didn't book a tour or anything. It was just relying on the kindness of locals. But yeah, it worked out really well for me. It, it certainly did, because the, the actual story that you've written, I'm, I'm excited for people to, to read, we've titled it on, Trepid, on Intrepid Times, uh, The Silicon Step, lays out a, a really fascinating narrative about how the country and indeed the people that you met there are adapting to change. And it totally changed my perspective of uh, Mongolia as well. Can you talk a little bit about the the actual findings you had and give kind of, I, I guess, a broad overview of the actual story you wrote of course people will be able to read the the full piece as well 
it, it completely changed my perception as well. I mean, in the West, I feel people don't know much about Mongolia, and I, I didn't. The only reason I know really anything about it is because I've had this weird fascination with it, just with sort of remote places and nomadic places. And so I knew that side of it, and I think that's the side people do know. They know about these sort of nomadic herders, they know about the girls, they know about people riding around on horses, which is all factually correct. As far as I could tell, I went there, you know, these aren't just completely made up. But I think what surprised me the most was just how modern Ulaanbaatar is. I mean, it's as modern a city as I've ever seen, really. Like, it's got everything you need. It's got all the fast food restaurants you would recognise. It's got, you know, you can drink the tap water. And, yeah, maybe that comes from my kind of ignorance about Mongolia, but it's just not talked about. It's not a, a side that we really see. And that, that sort of became the, the basis of my story because I, I hadn't seen it being written about really anyway you know people either talk about the nomads or the sort of struggles of the Gur districts or sold as a kind of tourist destination for just people who love adventure people who want to get out into the countryside which is all true but um no what i saw was just a very modern technological country you know everyone i met was sort of working in it they've got these tall skyscrapers massive banks you know people working in banks people working in technology and it was just it was eye-opening to me because it was such you know obviously that these cities exist everywhere in the world but it's such a stark contrast to to the sort of nomadic rural way of life that is that is known and yeah and as I got there I, I just started talking to people I was like so everyone works in IT here don't you miss the sort of nomadic herder lifestyle and yeah I've, I found out People do miss that lifestyle. It's very recent, like it's last two, maybe three decades that there's kind of been this transformation into just a, a very progressive, not socially progressive particularly, but um, economically free kind of country. And yeah, people move to the city, they live in normal houses a lot more than you might expect. They're not all in curves. But yeah, you go back two generations and it was all nomadic herders and that that kind of became the center of my story was that you know one look at this amazing modern society that no one's talking about that's you know experienced massive rapid growth economic growth at the moment so yeah the the whole thing about gear districts and social problems it's there and I, I do discuss it in the piece but I think there's a much more sort of exciting thing happening where yeah, there's just a massive embrace of technology and in fact, th this technology, it's, it's kind of necessary in, in a country where everyone is so spread out and so living so remotely, they can all now be connected by this kind of 4G, 5G network that they all have access to. So yeah, they're building like an online government, which is like far advanced from anything we have in Europe. It's like really, really amazing thing, but it's just a way that everyone I think will have access to government services and it's going to really improve life but at the same time I do see there's a kind of nostalgia for for the nomads and so yeah it's a it's a positive piece positive story that I found but I think with all modernization there is a kind of a nostalgia for for how things used to be and and the heritage and the culture and traditions and yeah that's it's that kind of angle which it's nothing to do with what I pitched, but it's, it's what I found when I got there. 
and and it is it is a positive story and that's quite rare for kind of the foreign correspondent travel journalism game i think it's more common if you move the the spectrum towards the travel writing world because you know we tend to write about the places that awe and move us that we have a connection to but i mean i discussed this some years ago with with peter hessler which is that like foreign correspondents when they go overseas they tend to do what they do what they're trained to do as journalists at home which is look for the issues look look for the problems look for the negative and you've you've referenced all of these you know guardian articles and and others from the past decade or so which are just painting these gar districts as you say as these dangerous and and sketchy shanty towns and whilst as you acknowledge that there's truth in that the overall story that you authored was was a positive one uh, did that did that surprise you do you think that the future of travel journalism is not just about identifying these problems but as finding hope in correcting these biases and misconceptions folks might have yeah i mean i didn't i didn't set out to tell a positive story i was going as a as a old school journalist looking for the problems i really was i was um i was trying to find social problems i mean it's not the kind of story i enjoy telling and it's a a very dark side of journalism is that you often find that you have to be curious about you know where where bad things are happening it's just reminded me of a um emily mateless podcast i listened to recently emily mateless is like a big journalist in the uk and she was um she was called up and told that there's a big story and she needs to get on a plane and her response was how many as in how many have died and that's you know for journalists that's all that matters how many have died how many people are suffering and yeah that's a it's a really dark side of journalism um it's an important side of journalism and it's something i I don't want to be i don't want to shy away from like there's a lot of problems and we need to talk about them and that's how they get better but yeah i can only really tell the story that i found and it it was largely positive so yeah so it, it just happened that way you know it wasn't i don't have any particular belief that we need to tell positive or negative stories it's just i happened to find one that was interesting and it wasn't being told and that i felt people should know about in some writing you shared with me that explores the backgrounds of this piece you write uh, why should i a british man with no prior experience in mongolia write the story at all uh, why not leave it to a Mongolian writer? Uh, I'm very glad you did write the story, and I think it's important for people to challenge their own biases, to immerse themselves in it, and to bring back to other people with similar perspectives that they may have had that narrative that, look, I used to think like you did, and now I've corrected it. Um, so I agree with the importance of what you did, but I'd love to hear some of your thoughts about how you answer that question. So it's something i've become more aware of as an issue as a travel writer is that i can't tell you exact statistics on it but certainly the travel writers i read tend to be white tend to be from uh, us europe maybe new zealand australia often men often privately educated and and it's a problem in journalism uh, more widely that working class people in particular struggle to become journalists it's generally people from very well-off schools who have the opportunities and i think what that leads to is a just inbuilt bias um towards their outlook on the world and there's nothing wrong with their outlook i just do believe that we need more diversity we need more people of color women people of all backgrounds and especially when you're talking about a particular culture that you're not from 
it just doesn't paint the whole story or an accurate story if you're just telling it from your point of view and I'm very conscious of that I can't change where I'm from and I obviously that's the point of travel writing you go somewhere you're unfamiliar with and you talk about it but I think you need to talk about it from much possible from the perspective of local people which I've tried to do I've really tried to take myself out of the story and tell it through their eyes I mean it's ultimately it's from my perspective of course because I'm the one writing it but I immersed myself in that you know I was not surrounded by my own friends from home I was surrounded by local people and I think that helped a huge amount in this case it was important for me to write this story because the story is for British people or certainly for the intrepid times as an audience it's not being written for Mongolian people although a lot of Mongolian people have read it and enjoyed it but um I understand the audience that that is being written for which is how I sort of justify me being the one who wrote it but it's I do think that's just an issue and it's something I'm thinking a lot more about these kind of ethical issues you know climate change is another one you know can you justify justify flying to Mongolia if you don't need to that's a you know whole different discussion but it's it's a un- uncomfortable topic I would say but I think if you want accurate and interesting stories then you need to try and put the local people at the heart of that i think that the awareness that you have of the audience that that matters and that's important i also think that you writing the story doesn't prevent anyone else from also sharing their perspectives you've worked very hard to amplify local voices to hear their stories to share their words they were delighted to speak to you. And as you said, they've enjoyed reading the piece. And look, I mean, I would not have come across the story if you had not put it in front of me. And I think that's going to be true for a lot of people reading this as well. And one other thing that I think you you learned or, or came to find confidence in was, and this could be a, a useful way to bring this discussion home, which is that you, you mentioned that you had done some you know, research online, you could have written to people on Facebook or what have you and gotten together probably a possible story. But it was the fact that you went there, you were on the ground, you were in people's homes, you were sitting with them in bars, you were walking through the district, actually being there in person. That gave the story the, the heart and the depth and the impact that you, you wanted it to have. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is completely key. And, you know, it's it's becoming more and more rare in journalism, probably not in travel writing. Would, although, actually, having said that, I mean, I have written guides to places I've never been for sort of websites who, who needed it, who needed the content. And I just research online and they're, they're not good, but they, you know, they, they help the website get more content. But yeah, in journalism more widely, like it's it's not that common. News teams are getting smaller and smaller. And, you know, the lockdowns were were a big part of that about people, journalists going like, right, we still need to do our job. We can't really go out. Let's just start doing more Zoom calls. And they've kind of continued to do that, I think. And I could have written, I think I could have written a good story. Um, I mean, I could have spoken to people, done interviews with them over video call. So I would have got some local perspective. But yeah, it would have been, it would have been a completely different story. I mean, this was... The, the approach I took meant, you know, I was waking up in a Gur, in the middle of a Gur district, miles away from anywhere, and, you know, and going and having breakfast with a local woman who didn't really speak a word of English, but, you know, we shared and we had food together, and I sat in her home. It has just everything, you know, just the smell of the of the air there, and the the taste of the food, and just seeing people 
walking around going about their life you just can't get any of that online so yes that that immersive on the ground storytelling i think is super important um and yeah i think that's what makes this piece a really good piece i agree it's a great read i would strongly encourage folks listening to check out the silicon step on intrepid times by tom brown tom thank you so much for not only writing and giving us the opportunity to publish the story but also coming on the podcast and taking people behind the scenes sharing your process the questions that you're wrestling with around it about the nature of writing and journalism i think this is a very important question uh, i look forward to discussing with them with you uh, more in the future as well yeah thank you so much for the opportunity it's been it's been amazing and can't wait for people to read it thank you thanks for listening everyone and don't forget to check out our new travel stories published weekly on intrepidtimes.com see you next time